Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But have you got a clue? Or are you a big old kook? Since there's a million ways to kook it, you should stick around and learn a thing or two. Because if you don't know, let me tell you right now that surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all stressed about it, because everyone kooks it once in a while. And that's the reason we start a kook cast. Because the more you know, the less you'll kook it. <laughs> so bust out your swimmies and get ready to learn. KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom, one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education resource, thesurfcontinuum.com. And you may or may not realize this, but this is an early release for this week. Usually we publish episodes on Tuesdays. But uh, not this week, and the reason for that is because we have a very important task to accomplish before Sunday, November 22nd. I'll tell you about that in just one moment. This week's guest is Matt Warshaw. He is surfing sole caretaker of its history, cultural evolution. He's responsible for the databasing and the organization of it all, so it's not just you know, archived, but it's accessible and you can look up your favorite legends and surf spots or lingo, all that stuff is in there. Just like, you know, surf education and surf lessons, there's no governing body for surfing and surf history. There's no committee that ensures it all gets recorded right or or recorded at all for that matter. And uh, Matt's taken it upon himself to be that man for us. So if you don't have an online subscription to the Encyclopedia of Surfing, you are kooking it. Get your shit together. Sign up for a yearly subscription. Make sure you're receiving the Sunday Joint newsletter. And be proud to be a surfer that's also a student of surf history. And, okay, so for the important part, though, in addition to signing up for the newsletter and being a yearly member of his site and and educating yourself, go to eos.surf forward slash donate and offer a little extra to make sure that the encyclopedia of surfing stays alive and well we cannot lose this amazing resource all right now let's go talk to matt kook cast yeah so i I, i'm uh i'm becoming more of a kook with each passing year Uh, after hitting (laughs) (laughs) i was once talking to um peter cole the famous big wave surfer of course this was about 10 or 15 this is about 15 years ago when I was still surfing like daily and it was just I was rabid but I was getting older I was probably 45 at that point and my I was doing an article on Fred Van Dyke Peter's good friend and the article and Fred at that time was I think early is early 70s and the article was called Winterland and it was about Fred it was a profile but it was also about how surfers get older mm. and uh, I was saying to Peter I go it's so interesting Fred still surfs but doesn't really like to and a lot of you the guys from your era greg knoll and buzzy trent they all quit and you peter and ricky greg are the two that surf the most and i was wondering why that would be why would some quit why would some not and peter said the, the whole thing that all comes down to um every year i surf i'm a bigger coop than i was the year before and you have to accept that hmm. and he said some a lot of those guys that i used to surf with couldn't do it and that's been the case with me. You know, like I have a really hard time getting worse. Like I'm on, I'm on this. You know, you're you're doing this thing for kooks, and I I am now. Um, you know, I've, I've surfed for fifty 
51 years, but I'm, I'm definitely, re I'm regressing at a really fast rate. <laughs> I just <turned> 60. <laughs> we moved to, we moved from San Francisco to Seattle, uh, 10 years ago. And I just more or less stopped. I didn't stop surfing, but I stopped being a full timer, you know? And so every time I surf now, I'm worse than I was the time before. It's weird. <laughs> well, that makes sense if you stopped, but, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's funny. You bring that up right away. Cause I did have that down. One of my earliest recollections of just your name, I don't, I didn't really follow you or your career early when you were, you know, a writer and editor. Well, this is earlier for me. I'm 33. So, you know, go back to my teens and I don't really care about what's going on in the surf world. I just want to surf. Right. But I do remember your name coming up and hearing about, well, because you were a notable name and hearing about how you kind of picked up and left surfing and moved to Seattle. And that always struck me as just such a surprise, especially for somebody who's accomplished so much in surfing. Right. How could, you know, how could that happen? How could that be? Well, I think what really happened is it scared me a little bit. You know, it was like, it, is that going to happen to me? You know, it's so it's so funny because it's so true. And, and, and all I can say is that I was 50 when that happened and I'd been surfing. I'd, I'd had the option to surf every day since I was nine. You know, and I, I never got hurt. I always lived near the beach. And it's impossible to sort of convey to anybody that hasn't surfed that much that someday you'll, you'll hit a point. And I, what an amazing thing that it was, you know, it was 40 years, 41 years worth where it, it, you don't need it as much as you used to. And, and at 50, if I had told my 40-year-old self, that that day was coming, I wouldn't have believed it, you know? Mm. So it, so I have friends who still surf and they can't my, my age and they sort of, they, they, they haven't hit that point yet. But, mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, because of my, the way I set my work life up my whole career, I never didn't have the option to surf where most people have a nine to five and they, you know, you, you, you still aren't getting enough. And I, I just sort of got my fill at, at a certain point. And when I left it, it was like pushing away from a giant meal that I'd, you know, a giant 40 year meal that had been the best thing I'd ever had. And I didn't, I you know it wasn't, I wasn't getting out of it as much as I, I had used to. It all wasn't sort of as good, but I wouldn't have been able to convince my own self of that. Uh, it just, I just hit a point where, um, it was the right thing to do. And, 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 uh, and no, you know, no, it was, it was easy. Right. I see. I think I'm getting it a little more. And that's a great analogy because, you know, it, like, say, for example, on Thanksgiving, you know, you're eating a dinner, you recognize fully it's great, you're filling yourself up, but there comes that point where, regardless of how delicious everything looks, you're just full. You just can't physically right. do more. Right. But uh, you did say something earlier about this whole transition in your life that kind of uh, stuck with me for a moment. And it was about how you, you kind of suggested that it was getting harder for you to get older and not be as good as you felt you should be. Well, that... So that's another part about this that that uh, it's not quite the same as pushing away from the meal. It's a little more complicated. That's too easy, but it's a little more complicated in that in that I was I was a good enough surfer for a long enough period of time, and I worked so so hard. I was never a natural, but I I uh, you know I'm a I'm just a bulldog when I get my mindset on something. Same as I am with building models when I was a little kid, or or running encyclopedia of surfing now but you know when i when i was surfing all the time it meant everything for me to be thought of as good in in my own mind and, and also in you know sort of in the eyes of others mm. and um 
I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not proud of that, but it, it also is the thing that I think allows me, again, without any real natural talent, it's the thing that allowed me to, to sort of surf a, a better than I would have otherwise. It allowed me to be kind of an overachiever, you know, and when that started, um, when I hit, you know, my late 40s and it, or mid 40s, and that started sort of tailing off and I, I was just losing a step, um, I never made my peace with that. You know, hmm. and I still can't. Like, so the times when I still surf now, I, you know, I go somewhere. I went to Costa Rica last year for a week. And, you know, at this point, I just borrow boards and right, right. I, try, I, I really try to go out there and say, just have fun, just enjoy it. And just mm-hmm. so it's so nice that you're healthy and able to do this. And, right. and to some degree, that works. But, you know, then I get a wave that I feel like I should be able to do something on and I can't do it. And I end up, you know, just angry at myself which is um, it's insane you know yeah. it's ridiculous <laughs> well, um, you, that's funny i'm glad you're saying this though because it really validates something that uh, a theme that i i really try to hit home both on the uh the podcast and with my private students that i teach and that's the the theme that or the notion that you shouldn't look to your performance for your satisfaction you know that surfing is so much greater than the the, the specific small little glamorous part of actually riding the wave and the reason I say that is because again and again and again, I play the role of like psychiatric, uh, what is it called? Right. You know, a shrink uh, where I'm like trying right. to help my students feel better about themselves, remind them where they came from. And it's like, well, for crying out loud, I could have the same. I, I need a shrink too sometimes, you know, like right. sometimes I'm not right. stoked on the way I surf. But it's just a really great reminder that it, it can't only be about your performance because then you're always going to have this identity crisis. You know, if I'm right. really a surfer or not. Yeah, no, it's 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 so true, and and again, I'm I'm of two minds about how I feel about that because I also know that if I if I wasn't if I didn't have that slightly neurotic uh, take on the whole thing, not just with surfing but with other things that I've done to the to the detriment of of my you know my well being probably, if I didn't have that kind of um, I don't want to say aggressive. If I didn't have that kind of obsession with it, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done what I've been able to do. So it's this balancing act between really pushing myself with with surf or with with anything else, and knowing when to to sort of relax. So you know, every day when I'm working on Encyclopedia of Surfing, I'm relentless. I'm relentless on myself, and and I'm critical of myself, and I'm angry all the time. And and then I do, I, you know, now not all the time, but you know, then I'll finally hit something that works. And that's the satisfaction. And it was the same with surf. And 90, 90 something percent of my surfing life for 40 years was probably spent in a state of frustration. And then now and then when it worked was the highest I've ever, ever been. Right. So hmm. it was a weird payoff. I don't know. I, again, I don't think it's particularly healthy, but um, my compromise with surfing these days really is that what I'd rather do than go out on a board and ride waves, I'd rather just find a thumpy little shore break. And body surf because I don't care how I do in body surfing, and all I really want to feel out of out of riding waves now is to get rolled around and connect to the ocean, you know, and and not have to lug all the baggage around with me that I did for all those years when I was, you know, quote unquote a good surfer. So I still surf because I still almost feel like again, like I hate to say this, but you know, the the brand I, I want to <laughs> still think of myself as a surfer, right? And, right. and also every. <laughs> So like when I went out, when I went to Costa Rica last year for a week, again, just days of frustration. But then two or three times near the end of that trip, I did a turn or I did something that 
connected. It just felt I got that high back, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I would argue that, you know, was that worth spending, you know, seven days down there to and I think it probably was. It still feels so good when it when it does fall together. But I'd also just be really happy to never set foot on a board again. And just if I could have 20 minutes in in warm shore break body surfing where I'm just getting thrashed around in these little shore break tubes and getting rolled up onto the sand and then running back out there and doing it again, I'd be happy to do that until, um, you know, I, I landed wrong and, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that, you know, that makes me really happy to hear because it, you know, our listeners of this show will fully recognize that we are in a full agreement on that that body surfing, boogie boarding, knee board, whatever it is, interacting right. with the ocean, riding right. waves, getting tossed around like a little grom again. That's right. all surfing. That's all it. So that relieves Absolutely. me a great deal to hear that from you, that it's well, not all lost, that you, you still enjoy the ocean and the waves. It's just the specific uh, discipline that you're, you know, you're using at this time. But yeah, you know, when I ran down to the beach for the first time when I was, I don't know, five or six or something, and then, you know, for years, that's what I did. I body surfed. You know, we lived at Venice and I lived for getting up, having breakfast. My mom would say, uh, you know, see you I'd pack a lunch and it would be like, see you for dinner. Right, and I, right. me and my friend, <laughs> me and my friends down on the beach and, and we'd body surf and we'd come up and lay in the warm sand and go back out in the water and lay up on the warm sand and eat our lunch. And, you know, I, I'm not laying in the warm sand at age 60. Uh, but it's this, it's sort of, that's, that's, you know, I go down with my brother to body surf in Manhattan beach in summer these days. And I, 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 I actually have stopped and thought, this is what I did with my brother in, uh, in 1969, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a wonderful, like it's a thing that we've, you know, we go down and body surf like we did when we were kids. And, um, that full circle part of it feels incredible to me. And that, and again, that has nothing to do with anything that I, accomplished or you know whatever whatever i did to become a person in in the surf world that's just me wanting to go jump in the ocean with with my brother and that's what it, and that's what it'll be at the end yeah and that's a really beautiful thing you know that, that i was going to say it and you, you you said it right away was just that full circle you know that's how you started that's right. how you learned to interact with the ocean right. and then evolved into the surfing and i wouldn't call it a de-evolution or regression it was no, just no I, it's a no, it's, it's a cycle back around to the beginning you know and, and that's it's, right it's, it's a beautiful thing it's it's kind of almost like life you start crawling exactly. and you kind right. of finish crawling too <laughs> the great circle of surf right or something yeah yeah um, but, you know, I have to also point out to the listeners, oh, my gosh, you're, you're, you're just hitting all our points so well. Just the <laughs> fact that, you know, body surfing is such a big part of your beginning and ending in the ocean. And we say it over and over. You can imagine I'm a, I teach surfing and you can imagine how many people I encounter that want to learn how to surf and have literally never even dove through waves right, like, at the right. beach break. And so we are constantly re-emphasizing this theme that man if you want to learn how to surf you just start by getting your ankles wet and diving through some right. waves learn how to come right. out the backside of a wave without all your hair right. on your face <laughs> you know right that's so it. and, and gotta, not just, gotta not just, just learn it but also those. just yeah just be you know to, to appreciate it like you know again mm -hmm. I, I, you get to a point like where i am where diving through a wave itself you know you, everybody wants to get to the fun part and it's it's an interesting thing about how people learn to surf these days because uh, when I was in Costa Rica I was at a at a surf camp I was staying at a surf camp called Surf Simply down there and and just because I know I know the guy that 
runs it. And I, I wasn't part of the camp or I wasn't nothing official, but he, you know, he, he lets me stay in the room and the way they do it, it's like, you know, a lot, or, or, or most places, you know, the first thing that, the first thing that new surfers I think want to do is stand up and ride a wave, right? Which understandable, you want to, you want that, you want that rush, right? Right. And, well, that's the picture. That's the image everyone has. Exactly. And, and get, yeah, get the picture and I can post on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's so easy to put somebody on a board and, and, you know, steer the board and let them stand up and feel that. And on one hand, I get it. Like you, that's how you can hook somebody. But, you know, I don't know how long I surfed, uh, in, when I started in, in 69, I don't know how many weeks or months it was before I actually got to my feet. Like it was, first of all, it was years body surfing and learning and loving it. And then I got my first board, which was a, just a horrific, no rocker seven four that weighed probably 20 pounds when i was about three foot seven <laughs> i couldn't i literally couldn't arm it i just <laughs> would drag it down the beach and it was the you know it was the thing it was the thing in my life that i loved above all things mm-hmm. as awful as it was and it was a terrible board but you know and, and i don't know five weeks later into the summer of 69 i finally stood up on it and that's how long it it took and then you know you just sort of keep going but um, I don't well, know. I sound like an old guy who's kind no, of... No, Matt, you know, I got to tell you, this is quickly turning out to be one of my favorite recordings <laughs> because, you know, I was speaking to my partner who's Coach Evan. Uh, we work together teaching surfing. And, you know, he said to me like, hey, you know, maybe you should ask him a question about, you know, the history of learning to surf and this and that because Coach Evan and I were, were very strict about our curriculum and our standard for learning how to surf. And hopefully you're already picking up for me that riding the wave is not the most important part. That's the reward yeah. for doing all right. the other parts right. And right. so we're that's very exact, right. yeah, we're very strict about our, our education model and, and the fact that when you come to work with us, you're going to start from the bottom and we're going to work on your paddling technique and then we're going to work on how you turn your board around and then we're going to work on how do you transition from turning your board into your paddling technique. And isn't it surprising how often people struggle with that very little transition oh, and, yeah. and the yeah. wave passes you by? And so over and over and over, we work on this sequence, the most basic things you can do in surfing until finally they get close to feeling the lift of the wave at the same time they're building momentum. And when they finally catch a wave, never mind if they stand up or not, there's a reason right there to rejoice and celebrate. Right. And 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 I just really... I would say that, you know, the whole idea about about pushing someone into a wave, like the first time, um, the first time my godson, Jacob, uh, surfed, this would have been maybe... 20 something years ago he was maybe eight or nine and i was friends with uh robert weaver wingnut in santa cruz and of course yeah um uh i drove jacob down there and jacob wanted to be a surfer he lived in oakland he just wanted to be a surfer because he 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 dug me and he he loved that i had all these boards in my house and he loved he knew that i was a surfer and he looked up to me and so i said okay well we'll go surfing and i drove him to santa cruz and robert had a wetsuit all set up for him because you know O'Neill would just give him you know Robert says here's your wetsuit Jacob uh, <laughs> come with me and he puts my godson on the nose of his ten footer and we paddle out at um at uh, at Privates which is inside of Pleasure Point and Robert owns that spot and he paddled out it was three foot to the very very end of the top of the point and I'm watching and next thing I know he's got. Jacob on the on the, the literally the wave of the afternoon it was probably a head high wave. No way. He, he hoiks he hoiks up Jacob by the back of the wetsuit, and they rode that wave. I shit you not. 
150, 200 yards down the point. Oh my you know, God. Just section after section. And Robert is so good that he's got Jacob uh, standing there. He's, he's actually holding Jacob by the, by the nape of the, of the wetsuit. Yeah, and yeah. Robert's climbing and dropping and doing cutbacks. And part of me couldn't believe. I was going, oh my God, look at this. Amazing. Part of me afterwards going, well, that's, he's just ruined it. Jacob's not going to ride away that well <laughs> for five years. Because you, right. you shouldn't get to do that, right? I mean, because then what is it going to mean for Jacob to go out there and try to figure out that rush that you just talked about, which is the first time you pick up a wave and you don't even stand up. All right. you do is connect and feel the thing. And here's Jacob. He's 200 yards down the beach thinking, so that's how you serve. Yeah, so, that, so I've done it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so. well, you're, you're definitely speaking to the conflict that's in me. And, and uh, you know, that's, like you said, there's a balance there because when you see the joy on somebody's face that gets to experience that, you'd never take right. it away. You'd never say no, like, no, right, no, right. no, that's not good. Right. That's not right. Of course not. But like you just said, the other hand is, well, how long is it going to take before he can actually ever do that again on his own? And is he going right. to persevere long enough to get there because he already right. has been spoiled right. this early on? And so, I mean, that's a different yeah. philosophical <laughs> debate, right. but you fully get it, you know, and what we try to teach. Well, here's what, uh, here's what Mickey Mignot's told me this was a long long time ago mickey munoz is my favorite person to talk with in all of surf um oh that was actually going to be a question for you later one of your favorite surfers I'm... well let's just we'll jump to it because it, it is mickey <laughs> munoz he's great he, he's so he, he's so wise he's like this yoda character who can also he also works blue he'll talk all kinds of you know he's funny like he's super wise and really um uh generous and all this but again he'll he, he you know he'll He'll tell the dick joke and he'll do all the other fun surfing stuff at the same time because that's who he is. But Mickey yeah. would tell me, like one of my first times I talked to Mickey is, would have been maybe in the 80s. And I was asking him about um, about how he, it was, the, the conversation got to how he's introduced people to surfing. And he says, you know, I love, I love doing that. And what I do is I take him down to a beach somewhere, sort of off, off the beaten track. And uh, I tell them, to just get on their hands and knees in the wet sand and roll around and then just crawl into the shore break <laughs> and then crawl out and then sort of crawl back in and let the wave, you know, let the waves sort of push you around. And he just wanted them literally to get in the sand, roll around in sand and just get pushed around in the shore break. And that was his, you know, that was his step one on how to be, how to become a surfer. You right. Know? And one-on-one I, with Mickey Minos. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, um, yeah, Mickey's a Mickey's a treasure, and uh, again, you know that, that I think that you know I go back to thinking about it with my brother and I in Venice. That actually is what we love to do. You know, back when you're a kid, you love to get sandy, and and Mickey's point there is even if you're adult, you shouldn't. You should also love to you know at times get sandy. That's what's going to happen when you surf. Oh yeah, he sounds like one I'd really love to talk to. I actually. Um... I, I don't know him directly, but I know of him indirectly through a friend of mine who learned to surf from him, this woman, Annie Armstrong. And uh, she's good friends, and she's still out there today surfing um, and, and just doing great. But she had nothing but hot, like wonderful things yeah. to say about Mickey. Well, get in touch with him. He's not getting, he's not getting any younger. Last time I saw him, uh, he was still sharp as ever. Um, he's, he's, he's tiny. He's like five foot four. He'll probably live to be 108, but you never know. So, um, yeah, call him up. He's, he is just the funnest person to talk to. I'm going to do that and I'll tell him you sent me. Yep. 
Okay. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about uh, Encyclopedia of Surfing. That's the main reason I really wanted to speak to yep. you. I've been a, you know, I, I, I'm just a big fan of what you do for surfing. I think surfers around the world owe you a major thank you because God knows none of us are going to sit down and do what you've done to compile and archive and, and above all, make it accessible to us so that we can really tap into, you know, our roots and, and know where we come from. Uh, so I'd love to hear more about it and, and just whatever, you, you know, whatever you yeah. care to share. Well, it's a funny, I mean, it's a funny thing. This whole project is, it's been an interesting experience and um, it goes back to, you know, I wrote the book in the early 2000s and that, in a way, that was, and that took three years and that was really the easy part because back then, you know, I had a book proposal and I sold it and I got an advance and I blew past my deadline by about 18 months but that's okay you know and but then you know the book the book came out and and it did well and i even got a few little royalty checks and that's great it all made sense i made a little bit of money from it and and great and the minute the book came out uh you know it started getting dated because it's a it's in print right and and also none of the mistakes that i made in the book and there's you know hundreds of them small ones mostly but none of the mistakes could be fixed so it was in my head from 2003 or something, the, the day the book came out to make it a website. Then I wrote The History of Surfing and a couple other books. And then uh, 10 or 12 years ago, it was time to put Encyclopedia of Surfing online to make it a, you know, to make it a website. The other thing about the book was it's just all text. There's no, there's a few tiny little black and white pictures, but it's not, it's not a great looking uh, thing. It couldn't be. It was, mm -hmm. 750,000 words or something. So I thought, oh, great, you know, I've, I've got the rights to do the website and this is not going to be that difficult. It's not, you know, and, and again, just, just, just magical thinking that it was going to be that easy. It took three years to get the website put up and, uh, mm. and then it's like, you know, everybody's, everybody else's, like everybody else, you know, it's like, how do you make it pay for itself? And the minute I started working on this website, it was so clear to me, this is going to be my full-time the full-time job mm -hmm. and and that's that's proven to be true and i did it um <laughs> for no money i just bled money for two or three years before i went up and ever since then it's been kind of this thing about i love the site i love the way it looks i love the way it performs um i you know i look forward every single day to getting up and working on it but you know making it making it viable was was tricky and and you know right up until 2017 it was i didn't know which way it was going to go and then i had a big fundraiser in 2017 and that kind of saved the site but you know i'm doing this thing for 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 um it's it's a really small operation it's me and two part-time people and um i'm still trying to figure out how to you know uh have it be just it it, it should be a little bit it should be bringing in a little bit more and that has that's down to me not being very good at marketing it i'm not doing much social media for it um for years i didn't even have the newsletter i have this thing called the sunday joint yeah well i was going to bring that up that's that's great right well it's so it's interesting because when i talk about the encyclopedia of surfing like you know it's like two strikes against me right away like i'm trying to flog <laughs> something it's called it has the it has such a boring title i already know where you're going go ahead though. right and then and then you know and then i follow that up with a thing called history of surfing so it's like how do I cool this up a little bit? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like Encyclopedia of Surfing, help me, you know, it's like basically what I'm hearing in my head is like, eat your vegetables. We all need this, you know, it's right, good for right, you. Help right, me, right. da, da, da. 
and you know, so the Sunday joint, part of what, part of my whole deal with EOS was always that it had to be enjoyable, it had to be fun, it had to be entertaining, you know, and, and the Sunday joint was me taking that to the place where it should have been from the beginning, because the Sunday joint is really just me writing an email to any single person where I'm talking about what I did this week, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, like, mm -hmm. and it happens to go out to, I think the joint goes out to, I think we have 2,200 subscribers now, which is, which is nice, but it, it's really informal. It, you know, I take a couple hours and write the joint. I put up the links to the stuff that went up that's new. I talk about kind of whatever's on my mind for that day. And the joint has been really fun for me. It's, it brought me back to writing. It, it's informal. And if, if the encyclopedia of surfing itself is eat your vegetables, like the joint is sort of like, here's a bowl of guacamole and some chips. Like yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. loves that, right? So right, right, right. Um, I, I'm kind of, and, and I think that the joint is the thing that's helping me, helping other people sort of say to other people, hey, subscribe to EOS because you'll get this newsletter and it's, it's really fun. And, and I think that that's going to be the thing that'll continue to make the site sort of grow. Um, but it's, you know, I, I'm of two minds of, of what's next for Encyclopedia of Surfing. Um, it's all, you know, it's always, I think, going to be relatively small. It's still hard to have a, a, a viewer supported anything at this point, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, Surfline is big because you're getting actual usable information. I always want to see how the surf is, how much do I have to pay to look at the cameras, right? That makes perfect right. sense. But, right. you know, my thing, the, 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 the encyclopedia of surfing, and I kind of do think of the Sunday joint almost as a separate project. Those things are optional. You know, you don't have to get the Sunday joint. You don't have to support surf, history and culture and whatnot but you know it's a good idea and it's not much money so it'll it'll grow slowly and, and I'm happy about that and I'll just keep doing this until I you know go face first into the into the keyboard <laughs> but the, the second the, the second project that I, I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of years is much bigger and I think much more important and that would be a thing that I guess I in my head I just call the you know the EOS archive and that's just a single purpose project which is to digitize everything you know surf related uh, books magazines films videos um, just get it all digitized and databased and organized and make it all accessible so eos is a curated thing you know that's when you guys go on there i only want everything that you click i want it to be worth looking at and you don't have to go through a ton of stuff i mean i could i suppose there's a way where you could put filters in there but I always try to, you know, everything I post, I want to be worth your um, few minutes of looking at it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's another bigger project, which is to take everything that's ever been done on Surf and and, and digitize it. I mean, Surfing Magazine and, and now Surfer Magazine are gone, and those guys never digitize their archive. You know, and right. that's that's wow. that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, um, so, but but the project that I'm talking about, the archive, is. Again, it needs to be a separate nonprofit that I'd be a board member of or something. But I don't. I can't run it. I'm too busy with doing my thing. But right, of that course. needs to be a thing where it's like got like a you know a, a massive endowment and it's got four or five or six people just doing nothing but that incredibly tedious, but also I think really necessary work of just running a scanner for you know 18 hours a day and typing in keywords you know but and so is that but, all it would be well not all it would be i don't mean to diminish it but it would just yeah. be your team collecting and just scanning each page of surfer mag surfers journal surfing magazine and all of those publications that came well, and went. Then, 
in every movie and every video and every TV show and every book. I mean, everything surf. It would just be a gigantic archive of surf. And, I, and you know, again, in my dream, in my, in my, uh, in the EOS archive of my of my that lives in my head, it would actually have a physical place that would have a sort of a a front end that would be sort of a small museum or something. Right. And the yeah, work sure. would sort of go on in the back and uh, and. And it would all be it would all it would all be plugged into a database that anybody could sort of access, right? So, it would you know it would it would need to have a little bit of something that would draw people in, um, and it should have been something that the Surfing Heritage Foundation picked up on. But I think that they're more into the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. They they've sort of become this museum with with the board. So that's sort of their thing, and I love I love that place. I love visiting it. Um, uh, it would have been nice to have, if they would have sort of expanded their mission, that could have been what I'm talking about doing. Yeah, here because and now, it seems know? it seems unfair that the burden of all this should fall on one man. There has to be a bigger body that can get involved and support well, this. You know, that's what I'm saying. So I, I don't want to run this this thing I'm talking about. That that would be a, it. It would be a different project. I'm I'm just you know, I, I so have my hands full with this thing that I'm doing, and and also you know I'm getting older and I I can't at some point this has to exist without me so it's a separate project it's a lot of money um the number that i have in my head for some reason it would need a, like a 10 million dollar endowment which isn't impossible there's 10 you know 10 people could chip in a million and oh that's totally possible right right so i just want to i want to like i want to seed it not, not seed it i don't have any money to seed it i, I want to like talk to somebody about this idea sit on a board and get it done and then step away and watch it grow you know and and, and then of course i would you know eos my part of it would be um, grabbing all kinds of stuff that would be going on there for my for my website, but that's a big, grand, epic project that that I would love I would love to see um, somebody you know pick up and, and run with. So if you have a listener, one listener who wants who wants to make a, a name for themselves in surfing with ten million, or if you have ten listeners that have one million, we could get this done next week. Let's get this ball rolling. Anybody <laughs> out there, anybody listening with a spare mill or 10 mil, uh-huh. it, it tends to be one of those things where once you get into those numbers, 1, 10, 20 mil, it's all the same, you know? Um, I, it's so, it's so <laughs> I know, I know. So I, I, I bring this, I, I, people to me, I, I talk with say, you know, Matt, you don't understand. There are people out there, are people out there who surf for whom this wouldn't be a huge uh, financial you know, hardship. And I, 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 I don't relate to that because for me, I'm still, I'm still of an age where, a millionaire meant, meant something, you know, now. Yeah, yeah, mean, yeah. But. No, I can totally relate to that. I mean, it took me a year to scrounge up the, the 50 bucks to get my first surfboard. Exactly, and, uh, right. And right, in so. fact, I didn't have the $50. I had 42 and I was sweating when I asked my parents to borrow eight bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you know, me too. My first my first board was a hand-me-down from my uncle. So, you know, and, and yeah, it was, anyway. Um, you know, and, and meanwhile, if it doesn't happen, Chris, I that's that's fine too surf surfing should have it the you know the we deserve it if it doesn't happen i'm so so glad to be doing this website i'm so glad to be um married to someone who allows me to do this for the for the for the amount of time and the, and the low pay that i get for it and um everything is everything is great man yeah, it sounds like it. I, I wanted to actually bring up your wife because I thought that's incredible of her to be so supportive of yeah. you and, 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 you know, enable you to be able to do this for us. So not only do surfers have to thank you, but definitely your wife as well, because without yeah. her, I guess we wouldn't have uh, Encyclopedia of Surfing. 
Well, it's a shout out to Jeff Bezos because she works at Amazon, so he he pays her and 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 she supports me, and uh, um, it's, it feels incredibly weird to say that, and I, I have a very much very strong love hate relationship with Amazon. Yeah, but, I'm know, but, sure, I'm sure, but hey, look, <laughs> there's know. there's our there's our investor. What, uh, yeah, what we, yeah, no, we, right, I know, I know. <laughs> hey, um, if Jeff really wants to hook you guys up, he'll just you know let you start the, your new archive project. I I know, <laughs> I know, I don't know. You know, something something may fall out of the sky. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to well, lose my, but you know what? I believe sleep. I'm a firm believer in putting it out there. And that's why yep. I do this thing. That's why I wanted you to say it because we're putting it out there into the world, you know, and, right. and that's, that's what you can do on your part without the stress, without like thinking about it too much. Just put it out there. Like we've done, we've done our due yeah. diligence and, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, I think especially for people like you who are so noble, it's very clear. You're not doing this because it's a lucrative, uh, nope. endeavor. Uh, and so just that fact will, I, I think is a, is a good characteristic, you know, uh, part of who you are and what you want to do. Yeah. Well, thanks. I do it. I, I, you know, it feels to me like I do it because I, I'm just sort of ADD and if I didn't do this, I would just be uh, doing jigsaw puzzles or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, 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 it's funny cause at 60, you know, I've, I've never, ever been as, 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 um, content with, um, my work life, you know, I've always, you know, I'm working at, I worked at surfer for a lot of years. And before that I worked in a surf shop, which I, which I loved. And I've always had great jobs, but it's just really bizarre to me that, um, at my age, you know, when I have so many friends that are like counting the years to retirement and, you know, that, that you, earlier when we talked about how the thought of not surfing used to scare me, the thought of retirement scares me I, I won't mm. do it i'll just i'll keep doing this until like I, I can't do it so um you know it's a it's all it's all totally fine oh that's awesome to hear i mean good on you for finding that thing in life that you love doing you know and it's your your reason to wake up and to i mean i'm sure you have other things you know with family and all that but you know the the the, yeah. the living aspect and the reason to wake up and uh, it's just such a it's such a it's such a breath of fresh air to hear that, you know, that some people out there can still discover that. And uh, it's just a good motivation for others to if they're teeter tottering on the fence with a decision like this, maybe, you know, lean over to the happiness side. I always say there's more value in currencies in life than just monetary yep. currencies. You know, there's the currency of happiness and yep. peace and yep. love. And, and, and yeah. I'm glad, you know, you're rich in, in some of those things. I feel like I've, you know, I've ticked three of the four boxes. So there we go. <laughs> That's All a right, pretty Chris, good thanks, ratio. Hey, well, before I let show, you go, I, you, I, I can't let you go without saying your kooky moment. Oh boy, oh, don't you do that moment. to me. I know you, you gave me the heads up on that. Yeah. So in, in, in again, if you've, if you've surfed for as long as I have, um, you, you log kooky moments just as, as, as regularly as you log the, the, the good ones. And, um, it took me a few minutes to think about this, but I did a thing on, on Encyclopedia Surfing week before last about a surfer named Mike Purpose, who um, was really famous in the 70s. He grew up in California, incredibly flamboyant. Um, he he single-handedly kind of make, made the puka shell necklace really cool and then really uncool because, you know, he just, <laughs> uh, but he was a great, really fantastic surfer, uh, sort of the, 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 one of the great shortboard hot dog surfers. He kind of pioneered the 360. Um, wonderful guy, really funny. And and Mike Purpose was sort of famous in 1974 for posing naked in in uh, in Playgirl magazine, right? And mm -hmm. anyway, you know, anyone if anyone out there who does have a subscription to EOS, look up Mike Purpose, and you will not be. 
well, maybe you will. I don't know. You won't, I don't want to say you'll be disappointed or not, but he, he's just really a fun, funny person to read about. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was kind of like the local. I, I grew up in the same beach that uh, he was already a star. He was a few years older than me. And if and he surfed all the time, and he was really generous with with his compliments. He he was a nice guy to surf with. And I remember my first run-in with Mike was uh, I caught a little wave at Marine Street in Manhattan Beach, and I did a little stall, and I got a little cover-up. And I came out, and Mike Purpose had just paddled out, and I was 14 or something, and I was just sort of getting good. And, and he said, hey, man, you set that up perfect. And oh, I, I, it's, it. it's still in my head that, that Mike Purpose, who didn't know me, you know, saw that I'd done that and gave me a compliment and paddled back out. And I, I'm I, again, 50, 45 years later, it's that, you know, I can hear him saying that. Mm-hmm. And as I, and as the years went by, you know, and I sort of got better and he, you know, he, he, uh, he and I surfed in contests together and, uh, and, uh, you know, we were, sort of became friends, but about a year after that thing where I, where I got a compliment from him, there was a big day at our, this local, our local sort of big wave spot, which was called Redondo Breakwater. And it was maybe 10 foot and I was just scared witless, you know, but I had to do it because I was 15 and you had to prove yourself. You had and something I had to, to prove. Out there. And so uh, I kicked out of a wave, a small wave, and I'm paddling back out and here comes this enormous set. And I'm paddling for it just whimpering. <laughs> and... I realize after 20 seconds of furious paddling that I'm not going to make it. And I get off my board to bail out as this thing's sort of crumbling 20 years. And behind me, I hear, hey, hey. And it was Mike Purpose, who was about 15 yards behind me. Oh, boy. And there was nothing I could do. I wasn't going to take this wave on the head. So I just bailed out my board. And Mike had to bail his board because my board's going to come right at him. Oh, God. And he broke his leash. And I didn't break my leash. So I just hear him yelling at me as he's swimming in. (laughs) You fucking kook. You almost killed me. And every... Thing. Mike Purpose wrote a column in the local newspaper, the, lo- the local newspaper called Easy Reader. Every time from then until, you know, five years ago that Mike Purpose writes about how, you know, anytime Mike Purpose has written about me, he'll talk about the time that I bailed my board out in front of him at Breakwater and nearly took him out of this world. Oh so my God. I almost killed my idol and that's my, uh, that's my kook moment. Oh, and that's it, great. And if it happened again right now, I swear to God, I would bail the same. You know, I, I was never much one for I was never much one for pushing through big waves if I if I had a good strong leash. So anyway, sorry, Mike, um, but uh, that's how it goes, man. That's a great one. Well, thanks for taking that extra minute to tell us the story. That was classic. What a great story. Thanks, Chris. It was really fun talking to you. I enjoyed it. You too, Matt. Thanks so much. Bye. Best of luck. Bye.